welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, founder and CEO of ARC. Each week we unpack the Web3 revolution. Join us as we discover and explore the people, projects, and visionaries building the trusted web. Hey everybody, welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm Matt Skye, this is Rich Pasqua, and we have Emily Landon on today from the Crypto Recruiter. Emily, how are you? I'm fabulous, how are you? So a little introduction to Emily, you are in the Web3 crypto recruiting space, incredibly exciting field. Uh, maybe just uh, as an intro, tell, tell our listeners what you do, what's involved in that, how are you finding talent? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm the crypto recruiter and I focus on helping people find crypto web free blockchain jobs. Um, you know, my days are really just focused with talking to people all day long. I mean, we're talking 10 to 22 people a day, having consistent conversations and just getting to know as many people as we can. Um, some of the challenges that we're running into is, you know, really just connecting with people. So there are a, a huge Web3 community on LinkedIn, but the challenge is, is there's so much spam going on LinkedIn. People are closing their accounts hmm. and they're going to places like Twitter and they're going to Discord, Telegram. Um, so I think one of the challenges that we're having right now is, is really engaging um, with hard to find talent. Yeah, it's, we... it's interesting. Um, sorry, Matt. It's, no, go it's ahead. interesting to see how uh, the crowds and you know, audiences are changing platforms out of necessity. Uh, yeah. I know for us, we're actually trying to build up our Discord, our ARC Discord channel uh, quite a bit with tons of content because we know the development communities and the gaming community and everyone else is going to be there. It's fascinating. Yeah. Why do you think everyone's on Discord exactly? That this seemed like there's a big crypto thing. I mean, I, I think we all know Discord's a great platform, but you're, you're making an interesting point that people in the crypto community are less on LinkedIn now and that they're migrating to this platform, particularly not even Telegram. It's really Discord has owned it at this point, it seems like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that there's a big um, attraction to being incognito, right? Really, Discord is used to get a lot of information about different projects. It's, um, it's a great networking tool. But at the end of the day, it's not very searchable. So you're not going to get a ton of like cold reach outs. So you're going to get spam from bots, of course, but it's not like people are actively targeting you. So it's a much more inclusive community and you really have to know who you know on Discord. It's, it's almost next to impossible to recruit off Discord. I think we're going to get into that a little bit down the a little more into that down the road, but it is the, the whole incognito idea is is kind of reaching out into DAOs now and to other other types of uh, blockchain technologies and and we're seeing it uh, with our clients. It's it's quite amazing. I mean, we've worked with clients that that are completely incognito. I mean, they don't even use each other's first names. <laughs> we were just talking and, about this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wild. I understand. It's it's a significant layer one blockchain, and you know they they just really think privacy and the security of their people is really important, which is why they all go by different names. Mm. And it, it, it plays into the whole idea of what the blockchain is, actually. It's about security and trust and in, in, in a lot of cases, you know, anonymity. So it's, mm -hmm. it's quite plays well, for sure. But we are seeing a lot of people move to Discord. 
Um, in fact, we joke around. It's like, do we even need a, a website anymore? Like, literally, do we need a website? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, which we do, obviously. But in the, in the next year or two, who knows? You don't know if you're going to need it. Yeah. Everyone's pushing there. There's so much you can do on Discord. And it's actually pretty powerful if you think about it. If you have a community set up the right way, it really is. I mean, community engagement is is the most important thing, right? Your community is your clients, they're your customers. So I think really focusing on them, catering to them is, is critical. Awesome. How yeah. would that work if you find someone on Discord and let's say they're anonymous and, and they're going to work a job completely anonymously, they wanna be paid in Bitcoin or, or another crypto asset. Uh, how would that work for you, for your fee and, and for your participation in the process? Yeah, absolutely. So we accept crypto for our clients. Okay, that's good. Um, it's a lot easier for them. So we accept crypto and there's a ton of candidates that want to be paid in crypto. Um, you know, I think it's a great option that most companies offer, but some are just strict fiat, which I think is okay too. And then they're offering a token package um, of their native token. So, um, yeah. I have a question as well to follow up on that. So right now we're seeing so much expansion we were talking about this a little bit before the interview that it, right now we're in this alleged crypto winter but we're seeing so much hiring in the space so much activity in the space so much and from our side rich i think you can attest to this we're seeing like vc and venture capital into the space um as a recruiter where are you seeing the jobs and where what excites you most what what areas are you seeing develop yeah great question so um, we're seeing a ton of developer openings. I mean, this is just standard, right? Everybody's growing their project, but additionally what's coming up is gonna be product management as well as marketing. We're seeing a very significant push for that. Additionally, what's new is data analytics has been hmm. really popular. Now that's a section we don't specialize in, but we've been getting a lot of requests for data. And so is what kind like, of um, I'll go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just gonna ask the same question, Matt, like on-chain <laughs> data or? What kind of data specifically? Yeah, on-chain data, um, cloud data. I mean, just, mm. just any type of data, right? So we've got people that are using um, Kafka, they're using ETL. I mean, they're really just data focused right now. Interesting. Um, also, just to just just to kind of expand on that question a little bit, what I'm just it's curious. I'm just curious for our audience here. What programming languages are you like the top? two or three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Solidity is, is going to be our absolute top. We've also got Rust. I've got like quite a few here. Oh, so yeah, we've yeah. got Rust, yep. Plus. Um, something that's becoming important is Elixir, which is a new one, which I'm like really excited about to find more developers with that experience. Mm -hmm. um, but Solidity is going to be our, our, our number one. Wow, cool. Yeah, um, we keep seeing a lot of our, our clients are working with uh, Rust and and almost on a daily basis, it's like, oh, you, do you know any Rust developers? Keep, just send them my way. Keep keep pushing. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, very, very in-demand language. So awesome. Hopefully we find some great talent after this interview. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think that's a natural connection here, as everyone is. Um, let me ask you something that also just bouncing around a little bit, but I, I think we, we've talked about this before. There, there really isn't uh, maybe enough women in the space. Uh, why do you think that is? And, and what do you think will change that as we move forward? 
Yeah, I think there's a couple things. So one, women are, are notoriously lacking in tech, right? It's a male dominated industry. So companies are looking for people with experience and that just happens to be tenured men, right? So I think the biggest challenge is, is learning these different technologies and really putting yourself out there. So something to take into consideration is women notoriously are, are the homemakers. Right. We're taking care of the kids. We're doing the dishes, cooking the dinner. I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm just saying most. Right. So you need to be spending at least one to three hours a day learning Web3, learning blockchain. And some women just, just literally do not have the time. Right. So they're not as knowledgeable as they could be and they're not marketing themselves. So I think a really great way to get into this space is up your knowledge base and then create content really get your name out there, show that you're a leader in this space, an expert in the space. And I think networking, right? So there's a big emphasis right now on women in Web3. There's mm -hmm. women in Web3 DAOs, there's networking groups, there's heck, there's companies now. Women in Web3, they just started right. a company. Um, so I think that there's a really intense priority on helping more women into Web3, but they've got to make themselves available. They have to make themselves visible. Right. It's hard to find women in Web3 because they're not optimizing their profiles or their resumes. So when recruiters are looking for profiles, we're using keywords. Um, some of the keywords that I will use is crypto, blockchain, Web3. Right. So if I put those words into the back end of LinkedIn, which is a paid subscription, anybody with those profile, with those keywords is going to pop up. Mm -hmm. Right. But if someone, if a, if a woman is missing those keywords, I'm not going to find them on the search. And that's the easiest way to filter down who's in crypto and who's not. So I think mm -hmm. marketing yourselves, learning, and just networking is going to be key because everybody wants to meet more women in crypto. So there's never been an easier time to get your name out there, in my opinion. I, I also think that, um, it, you know, beside, you know, male and female, if you're even if you're uh, you know a, a web develop 2.0 web developer right now, to your point, Emily, you you need to put in a thousand hours to kind of get your feet wet, you know, yeah. and to kind of do it. Um, jumping from two to three, it's a it's a big uh, it's a big chasm to to jump, right? Um, even if you are even if you know certain web two development languages. Um, it's still challenging. And, you know, to your point earlier, um, I think the education process needs to start early, like junior high, like getting, you know, young, young women involved in coding. Yes. When, when young boys are doing it, you know, mm -hmm. and whether it's through, and I, I'm a big proponent of gaming. Um, I, although I, you know, curb my kids, uh, a fascination with certain games uh, here and there, but it is a kind of a gateway to kind of getting into that world, um, understanding it and connecting with community, like-minded communities. Uh, but earlier on is, is so much better. I think that should be kind of pushed. I completely agree with you. And I just think that, you know, coding development is not necessarily marketed towards women. Right. It's mainly marketed towards men. So I think if companies and boot camps and educational marketed more and made it more appealing for women, more would join or at least explore it. Absolutely. Well, tell us about, I mean, you're in, you're in the space. So tell us about your background. How did you, <laughs> you're forging the way here? Great question. 
Um, so I started in crypto about three years ago. I was just fascinated by the subject. I thought it was really interesting. I started lightly investing and my fiance works in the space. So I was in financial services. I hated financial services because everybody was so crabby. You know what I mean? Nobody really wanted to talk. They just, they, you know, Emily, why are you calling? What do you want? Right? Yeah. Web it's very, it's very clinical. Awesome. Yeah extremely extremely and with web3 i mean everybody is warm they're welcoming they're just they're happy to be here and as a recruiter <laughs> that makes a difference in my life right because mm. that's all i do is talk to people so talking to happier people made me a lot happier um so i explored the subject i networked with a couple people and then i realized there was a gap in the space for two things one a crypto recruiting firm and two an ethical recruiting firm so I think that, you know, when it comes to helping people make jobs, a lot of recruiting firms are just in it for the fee. I mean, that's just the fact. They're in it for the money. And it's great money. Don't get me wrong. But what makes the crypto recruiters different is we're genuinely interested in helping people change their lives. Right. It's not just about the fee for us. It's about that feeling that we get to go home at night, understanding that that we've we've upgraded someone's career. We've taken them to the new level. We have played a part in that. And we know that that will just skyrocket them to the next step from there. Um, so yeah, we were founded January 1st as a new year's resolution to do good stuff <laughs> in the space, um, to be a recruiting firm that put people first and, you know, just to have a positive experience. So I think everybody's biggest complaint is they never hear back from recruiters or hiring managers for that fact. Um, so that's our number one rule is we always follow up good news, bad news, no news. I'm always giving my candidates a call on Friday and saying, Hey, here's where your application stands. And, and that's something that makes us different. It's a great, great story, Emily. I love the kind of the roots that you're, you're kind of seeding now. Um, and in, in essence, really, you're trying to kind of celebrate the idea, the very sole idea of blockchain. You know, the idea of trust and community and the network effect, um, you're trying to bring that through uh, a, a very traditional uh, uh, service that, that we've seen. Um, so I, I applaud that. <laughs> Thank you very much. We, we try hard. Listen, I just think it needs to be a human experience. Finding a job is a very personal experience, and you need someone that's actually on your side. So if I wouldn't accept the job, I wouldn't ask someone else to. Um, so it's very important to us. That's great. How much do you follow? Like, just curious, because I, I think that is interesting. You're saying this idea of, of ethical recruiting. Um, what's what's the typical process through a person's career? And do you follow them through different jobs? And, and, and how long do people stay at a job in, in this space from your experience? So in our experience, eight months to 1.2 years is okay. the average tenure. Um, I have seen reports that offer longer numbers. I think they're a little bit skewed. Um, so I would say eight months to 1.2 years. And how the process works is, you know, we make that first introduction. We have a great conversation. We're documenting all these notes in our database. And if we don't have an opportunity for them, we'll stay in touch. Usually once a quarter, we'll pop in, say hi, see what's going on in their career. Um, for those that are a fit for a current job, we'll touch base with them at least once a week, just keeping them up to date with their application. But once we help them get the job, we stay in touch with them biweekly. So every two wow. weeks, I'm giving them a call. Absolutely. Making sure they're happy, making sure they're feeling challenged. Um, and then we, we do, we keep in touch with them. When they leave for a new company, they usually bring us with them. So that's how I've gotten a lot of my business is they start out as candidates of mine. 
and then they turn into clients. But, and I think that goes back to our customer service, our values, our ethics, and just how we do business. Mm. Do you see people go from being a candidate to actually growing so much that they're starting their own companies and then they're hiring? Have you seen that evolution a lot? I have actually, <laughs> I really have. I mean, there's, there's some brilliant people that I speak with that are just so eager to get into the space, but no one's willing to give them a chance because they've never worked on their own project and they don't have any experience formally in crypto. Um, so they end up starting their own projects off their own great ideas, which is excellent. So not only is that great experience, but it's adding new jobs to the world and it's also growing them professionally. So we do, we have a lot of candidates that start their own things. They come to us when they're ready to grow. Um, you know, our biggest, one of our, one of our things is we're really concerned about our candidate stability. So if you're jumping from job to job, the, the question going through the back of someone's mind is why? Yeah. Right? They always wonder that. They always <laughs> you wonder, seem jumpy. Yeah. Is it working out? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you're interviewing, you get to tell someone your story, right? I left this position. I left this position. Here's what happened here. But recruiters and hiring managers, they're just going off your resume right? They're just going off a piece of paper. They don't get to hear your history. So they do have questions in the back of their mind. So I want to help people find the right long-term fit. And that includes companies that mostly have funding um, because they can offer that security, that long-term security to our candidates. So yes, a lot of our candidates do start their own projects. It depends on what stage they're in, if we can support them. Obviously we want to, but we do have to keep the candidates in mind first. So you're, you're, you're almost offering a little bit of coaching, which I think is really like the, a little bit more white glove, if you will. Um, if you have a young uh, professional trying to enter the field, they don't know that jumping around 10 times is not so good on paper, but you're going to help them kind of smooth the, smooth those gaps. And I, I think that's great. And one other like little additional thing that we, you were talking about the eight months to 1.2 years duration, what we've seen with some of our clients is um, you could have maybe a team of 20 developers literally working on one protocol or DAP or apps, and they're part of three or four projects. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? That's a really interesting, I, I would, it's not a conundrum, it's just new to the space. And I, I, there are several things that you're doing now and seeing that I keep telling HR professionals, hiring professionals, you got to look for this, but they, it blows their mind and like, no, that'll never happen, but it is happening. How do yeah. you, how do you negotiate that? Great question. So I think that it's important to, if you have a side project, you're going to want to work for a company that's going to support that, right? Companies should not be stifling your own personal growth. Um, however, it has become a problem where people are spread a little bit too thin and they're not paying attention to their full-time jobs. Um, mm -hmm. We actually have this going on with a the client. They, also, they have 40 developers um, located in Argentina. They know that each developer has a bunch of side projects. So they're looking for leadership that can come in and gauge the work ethic. I don't know if work ethic is the right word, but they can gauge the work of these developers to really understand, you know, are they putting their full effort or are they mo more focused on their other opportunities? So I think leadership really comes into play. Mm. Um, and additionally, you know, in order to have a successful team, um, especially a collaborative one, everybody has to be bought in, 
right? right? And that, again, goes to leadership, helping people be bought in, believing in leadership, believing in the product. So I think if a um, if someone is working on a side project and they're giving more focus to that, I think they should really consider following their passion, right? Um, because not only are they going to be a lot happier, but they'll accomplish more without the, um, I guess, pressure of doing the full-time job they were hired. So I think mm. there's an ethical... If you are more passionate about your project, then you need to focus on your project. If you're passionate about both, then split your time, but make sure that you're loyal and dedicated to your employer because they're loyal and dedicated to you. Yeah, and it's also, you know, there's the passion side, but there's also the ownership side, right? Mm -hmm. And and a lot of like, you know, some of these DAOs, it's like, well, there's no entity, there's no organization, it's us. Mm-hmm. Right. And the more you contribute, the more you're you're and the more you're validated, your work is validated on the on the nodes or the blockchain itself or through the network, um, the more ownership you have. So I, I think the ownership is a, is a real part of people becoming truly invested in projects as well. So, I agree with you. Yeah. When you're looking at uh, candidates, are there certain uh certain kinds of advice that you would give them in terms of having that enthusiasm and how they can steer into their passion? Because I always think to myself, sometimes you take the job you can get, not always the job you want because you just need a job. So how can you help people steer in the right direction, say, if they're not qualified right away for where they really want to be? Yeah. So um, we could answer this question in a couple ways. So the first thing is, you know, if you don't have that experience, volunteer for projects. Right. right. Try to get something under your belt so you can go to a company and say, hey, um, I don't have any formal working experience, but I'm incredibly passionate about this. Here's where I'm spending my free time. I've learned these skills and I think they're really transferable to the opening that you have. Right. Reaching out to people. That's the best advice that I can give. Yes, you can absolutely apply to a job online. But going that extra step and really reaching out to that hiring manager, reaching out to that recruiter is going to set you apart from the crowd. Um, the biggest thing that I would say advice to give someone that's looking to get into the space is really focus on your resume. You should have two versions of your resume. You can have your regular version is what I like to call it. That's got all your professional experience and all these non-crypto companies, but then you should have a crypto resume, something that shows all the projects, all the technologies that you know, something that tells a little bit about the story of why you got into crypto, right? So you can send the appropriate resume to each person. Um, heck, you can even attach both resumes into one LinkedIn message, right? So they can see both sides of your experience. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite things to see on a resume is metrics, right? You did X. What did X result in? What was the ROI? What was the, how quickly did you accomplish the project? How quickly ahead of time, right? So um, that's where I would start, really bringing, showing the company the value that you bring even if it's not professional experience, taking that extra step to get out there and really introduce yourself to that person. Because here's the thing, anybody can press the easy apply button on LinkedIn, right? And, <laughs> but you can't, not everybody reaches out and goes that extra step. And in the back of the hiring manager's mind, it's, wow, this guy doesn't work here. He's already reaching out. Imagine what he's going to do when he works for us, right? It makes you seem proactive, which a lot mm. of employers are looking for. And build out like build out like mini case studies, right? So the returns, what was the challenge? How did you overcome it? And oh, by the way, here's the success metrics. 
I love that. Um, and we do that a lot with our case studies as well. And, and that's what people want. You got to go deeper. Should employees be building out websites like those portfolios? Is that too much to send someone when you're looking for a job right now? Like, it, like is a resume too skeletal? No, I don't think a resume is too skeletal. I mean, if you have a website, that's great. But if it's a unprofessional website, it's not going to help you. You know what I mean? It's mm. So if you're able to have a professional looking website that functions well, is beautiful, then yes, I would absolutely include a website. Um, you know, if you don't, I would probably hold off, but you can attach more than one document, right? So you had mentioned the case studies, put together a PDF of all the case studies, right? Put together a slideshow of the case studies, um, on, on top of your resume, just making yourself a little bit different. It's a really great point right. when you are looking at jobs. So this is something I think so pivotal and we've seen it here at ARC. We see it in, in any of the hiring that we do, uh, culture fit. How do you determine, and that's really where the people skills comes in, because <laughs> you may see someone on paper, you're like, these case studies look great, they're qualified, they've got all the stats, but there just isn't quite the right cadence. How do you, how do you quantify that unquantifiable element that really defines the, the success of a job so pivotally? So culture fit is the biggest reason for turnover. It's, it just is, right? If you don't fit within the team, you're not working collaboratively, it's just not a mesh. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Um, how we screen for culture fit is we have a really extensive conversation with the leadership at a company, really understanding them and their weaknesses, right? So one of my favorite questions to ask is, what is something that someone might personally misunderstand about you? And a lot of feedback that I get from my leaders is, you know, I'm extremely busy. And when I respond to someone, I can be really curt and that can come off as rude, right? So I understand from that, I need someone that's got some thick skin or at least someone where I can set this expectation and they're not going to be offended or they're not going to, um, it's not going to hurt their morale, right? Um, so questions that I'm asking candidates are things like, you know, are you a morning person? Are you a night owl? Do you play sports, right? Because sometimes some of the best leaders on the field are the best leaders in business. Um, understanding their quirks, right? What are some of the things that you don't necessarily want me to know? And I think a big part of that is, is building rapport with the candidate, mm -hmm. right? The candidate's not going to open up to me if I'm not open with them, right? If I don't treat them with respect, if I don't show them that I have a genuine interest in their background. Um, so really building that rapport, getting them to open up to us really helps us make the right match. Um, after talking with leadership and kind of understanding their vibe. You guys that you, Emily, you really go, you go, that is so much further than any other recruitment company I've ever seen. Like just, just the idea of understanding someone's, you know, soft side, if you will is so important because cultural fit is everything. I've seen it a thousand times. We all have, wow, bulletproof on a website and paper, and then they just cannot operate within a team environment. Yeah. And, and that brings me to another thing is it, 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 the whole work dynamic. Okay. Yeah. Web one, crazy experimental web two people, you know, accountability now is brought into place and, um, uh, we're working in a more agile way, if you will. Web3 is like that plus speed it up 3x and add in all sorts of new uh, challenges to the, the mix. You, it, it's, it's the, the hiring challenge to me is exponential these days because you do need that person who can 
communicate across Discord, pick up the phone, um, and, and, and or manage remote teams. You know, so there's all sorts of forces working uh, again, against and for you, actually. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And there's, you know, something that I think is interesting is normally small companies don't work globally, right? They usually work locally because it's a small lean team, so everybody can collaborate. What I love about crypto is it's so decentralized that these small companies are working globally. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got people in the U.S., they've got people in Pakistan. I mean, I think it's awesome. Um, but, yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, we're we're opening um, opening a uh, an, in an office in Italy actually tech development. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, when yep. you're ready to hire, you know where to find me. Absolutely, <laughs> Palermo, Italy. It's yes. gonna be fun. Well, actually, we sh- we should talk more about that uh, offline, but uh, for sure, let's get some business deals right in front of <laughs> very transparent. Yeah, let's do it right now. Good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What about adaptability, Emily? How much is that important? Because we're, what we're talking about, a lot of people, they may have, again, the expertise, the resume, but they got to switch. This is a field that's that's changing so rapidly. Yeah, definitely. So you just, I, my biggest thing is you got to be really passionate about the space, right? If you're not interested in blockchain, I'm not going to sell you on blockchain. You've got to be interested to make it here. You've got to have that passion to learn, that passion to grow. I think it takes a very special person to be successful in blockchain. I think it takes someone that's an excellent multitasker, someone that's great with the technology itself, but also has a, how do I wanna phrase this? Like, they're good with people at the same time. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, it does, and it does seem like in this field, you kind of have to have a certain, like it's ironic, right? Because crypto is in some ways, uh, all about anonymity and, and it's allowing coders and, and everything to be very private. But I think what you're saying is people in the space, you almost have to be an evangelist for the space and you have to be enthusiastic about it. And it's maybe in some ways, am I right? But like the biggest red flag when you do an interview is is to see someone who's just kind of blase about it. Like, yeah, it's fine. I got another offer. I might do crypto, whatever. <laughs> Matt, I would 100% agree um, because, you know, it, you do have to have a fire for it. And if you're talking to someone, and to your point, Matt, they're blasé and whatever. When I talk, I don't care about if it's trading or a technology or a protocol. I'm amped up. Like I love the stuff. You know, you should eat it up. <laughs> and and it, it's it's. I mean, you don't have to be some rah rah cheer cheerleader twenty four seven, but chances are you got into it for the right reasons. Meaning, there's something much bigger happening, and it's way bigger than my company, the people, the humans in general. It's way bigger and it ha- it's gonna have much more of an effect. And once you start to understand it, it gets really exciting because you can change business. You can change communities and you can change kind of uh, the way we think and interact um, as a whole. And if you adopt that, of course, you're gonna be excited. You can make change, real change. And that's exciting to people. It is, and it's and it's not exciting to some, right? So one of my things is if I'm going to interview a candidate, I'm going to present them. Companies want to hire people that want to work for those companies, right? Companies want to hire people that are passionate about blockchain because passion pushes us forward, right? If you are blasé about this, you're not going to put that extra effort in. And I don't know if you guys would agree, but in my experience, blockchain is a grind. Like, you are, <laughs> it never sleeps. There's That's what we're going to title this podcast. 
blockchain is a grind. That'll be the title for this one. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Put that on my next t-shirt. Yeah. Um, there you go. But yeah, I mean, it just, it takes a special person to be successful. I think anyone can do a great job in blockchain, but it takes someone special to really take it to the next level. Yeah. Agreed. It, it does seem very binary, right? Like you're either all in or you don't get it. And yeah. I find that like most, do you find this too? I mean, maybe your circle is different, Emily, but I, I Rich and I talk about this all the time. Like in our immediate circle, we see the incredible enthusiasm, Web3, this is changing the world. This is the next iteration of what we saw in the 90s. This is the next level of the internet. But then you you ping your average friends, your normies, and they're like, what? <laughs> they what kind are you of, about? They're, they're, they're not, it hasn't quite hit ultimate mainstream yet. Am I, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely fair, absolutely fair. Um, you know, I have a pretty significant following on LinkedIn and before I got into crypto, it was mainly financial services, right? And there's a lot of transferable skills there. Sorry, I've got a pup here that's just really excited to be here. Um, well, welcome. A dope. <laughs> yes. Um, a so Shiba Inu? <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I think, sorry, can you say the question for me one more time? I apologize. This dog has been distracting me. I think, uh, yeah, just uh, we're curious about getting uh, sort of the general public interested in this space and that our friends yes. don't know what the heck we're all talking about here. Yeah, they really don't. They really have no idea what we're talking about. And that goes back to that passion, right? Are they going to be passionate about learning about it? Because you can explain blockchain to someone and their face can just be like, they've got, they're just completely lost. Because some people just don't get it. And that's okay. Um, but I find that I would say probably about 10% of my friends are interested in what blockchain is and, and what we do. And I would say about 90% of them just skip through my Instagram stories and have no interest. And uh, yeah, so that's, I would say about 10% of people in, in my network um, are interested in my personal network. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> are they interested in- are they interested in uh, in the price and trying to make money on crypto? Because I know people like that. They're the, they're like the price analyst people, and I got I see that enthusiasm. Or are you really seeing? I think kind of what we're talking about, which is the actual development of blockchain, the development of Web three. Yeah. So I think people are are interested in a little bit of both. It depends on where they come from, right? If they come from tech, they're really interested in the development. If they come from more financial services. They're interested in the development, but the financial side of it holds some weight for them as well. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that are in VC companies that don't deal with blockchain and they just, they've got no interest in it, no understanding of it. They don't want to touch it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. It is we funny. We see that it, too. Definitely. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. I was just going to say, it's just funny because I think there is this moment, especially with the metaverse and growth. I think they're, we're, we're at least moving somewhat in the right direction past the point where people, you know, you talked about crypto a few years ago and they just go scam. That was the first thing they say is a scam industry. And now people are like, okay, it's got legs. It's got, it's got legitimacy, but they'll maybe throw in some, you know, risk assessments and things, but they're, they're understanding the scale of what's happening here, which just you brings me to interesting is there are actually some companies that have nothing to do with crypto that are trying to get into it to get to the crypto uh, community. So there's a company that creates COVID tests and they want to buy a NFT to put the NFT on the COVID test because they think this will attract more, more buyers, more users, right? More kids for lack of a better word. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. They're, they're trying to attract different, um, 
different consumers by using NFTs and just other crypto verbiage, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, it's 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 definitely cool, and we 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 actually Matt and I have been talking uh, to various people in the industry and even marketing, and you know we're spinning up our own tokens to market our skills, but we always offer utility. There's always something at the end of the rainbow, so you're 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 joining a club, and with membership comes information, mm-hmm. comes tutorials, comes lots of uh, inside information or maybe even getting whitelisted for specific projects. So we're big proponents of, yes, use it for marketing, use it to get into uh, the psyche of of a a younger generation, but always have something behind. It's like anything else, you know? I agree Um, with you. I agree with you. And I think that, I don't think it's a bad idea, but I don't don't know that it's going to work. So yeah. I'll keep in loop on that one. Yeah, and you know what? This is part of our conversation as well. We got to fail in experts. Yeah, it's you have to be willing to dip your toes in, and and try. Right? We don't know if all of this stuff will be. We know blockchain will be successful and cryptocurrencies, yes, but the way we market will have to really start to augment itself um, to to really you know. Talk to different audiences in different places, uh, number one. And number two, just offer value as well. Um, because at the end of the day, the end consumer is now is no longer the product. They're in control. So there, there's a give and take, and I think it's a gray area, and we it's going to be a while before we all figure it out, figure it out right? I agree. I'd love to see the uh, the recruiter token. Is there any yeah. any plans for that? <laughs> the Emily token. Yeah. So the Emily token, I love it. Um, <laughs> so we do actually have a project that we're in stealth mode on. Um, so I'm really excited for that to come out. But but yes, we do have a little something up our sleeves. Um, I can tell you it relates to um, job boards and Glassdoor, but that's as much as I can go oh. into. That's that, epic. That's cool. That's interesting. All right. We'll have to follow up on uh, later interest, on. Emily. <laughs> yeah, you, we, we want to know more about that for sure. Um, and let us know because we, we'll have you on again. We'll, we'll talk about it. It'll be awesome. Um, what do you think, Emily, to this concept good. we were just talking about? Because Rich and I have talked so much about NFTs and the utility of NFTs. Um, where do you see that market and where do you see that market growing for job seekers and jo- and people hiring? Definitely. Um, so NFTs aren't, aren't my specialty. Um, the NFT division, we're much more on like the actual core infrastructure of blockchain. Um, but what I see an opportunity for NFT companies, I mean, it's just like any regular company, right? Job wise, they're going to need marketing. They're going to need accountants. They're going to need project managers, product managers. Um, so I definitely see a future within this subsection. Um, but I'm not well versed enough on it to give you for future predictions. Just being honest. No, that's good. I, I think that's refreshing. Everyone's right now, I feel like, is an expert, even when they're not. And I, I guess that's the thing with Web3, though. It's like no one really is totally an expert, right? We're all kind of speculating. This is so new. I think, Rich, you've talked about that a lot, too. Yeah, absolutely. You, 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 the, you have to suspend, you know, all of the work you've done, you know, for the past X amount of years if you're moving into this space, right? And you have to kind of retire the idea of I'm an expert, uh, you know, everyone owning everything. 
if someone tries to do a land grab, a mental or, you know, conceptual land grab on something, maybe the metaverse, I don't know, we can go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> That's a big Mark one. Zuckerberg. Um, you know, if, they, if, they're, if they're trying to, you know, go for this conceptual land grab, that should throw a flag for you because these environments, even us, you know, we lean on people like you and developers and other places because it's one, it's moving very fast. And two, it's, it's vast, right? And there is no playbook. We say this all the time and you have to embrace the network effect. You have to embrace a network. And I'm not talking about your LinkedIn network or your social media networks. It's a network that is in different places. It lives in different areas, which you know, you, you're squarely rooted in, in. And you have to understand and how to vet ideas and feedback for yourself mm-hmm. um, and choose what information you want to take with you on your journey. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, if, you're an, if you're an expert, uh, don't say that. <laughs> it's, you're not going to do yourself any for your favors. That's uh, that's one of the frustrating things about the Web three community and LinkedIn right now is everybody's got an opinion. They've got a comment. They've got a new fact, um, and, and they're an expert, right? So you know, while I'm on LinkedIn and literally that's all I do, and I see these really strong posts come out um, about a new technology or about a new project. You've got to do a lot of research into these people's posts to make sure that what they're saying is is real. It's fact. It's it's honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just something that I that I kind of would like to just put out there is just because someone writes it on LinkedIn doesn't necessarily mean it's true. You got to yeah. do your own research on it. Yeah. In a general totally. sense, I'm always surprised how how people don't double check news sources. <laughs> you know, like how vital <laughs> it is. Just in general, not even just blockchain, but yeah, to that well, point. Well, I think if we, if we want to go that far, you know, go down that road, I, I think people have to understand that the news sources that they were used to are not news sources. They're just entertainment. Hmm. Um, and, and that's the whole, like, you know, that's co- like if contemporary or, you know, uh, news outlets right now, and then some, some tech outlets as well, they're, they're, they're maybe a source of entertainment. Um, it's no longer news, and you ha- drawing that line, and it's very gray, um, is the challenge. Emily, in this space, what do you recommend uh, job seekers? What should they be reading? What publications should they be going to? Definitely. So, Coin Telegraph is going to be my favorite. I mean, they just they've got so much information flowing throughout the day. Um, Coin Desk. I watch Coin Desk TV every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a great one to be on and you can just leave it on in the background, right? And listen through it. Um, I also think there's a lot of really great news sources on, on Twitter. Um, they're hard to find, but they're definitely on there. I'm actually creating a list, um, of Twitter news sources and Instagram news sources to make it a little bit easier because everybody's attention span is so short that I love the Instagram news sources because you just flip through. It's a couple right. of sentences on each page. It makes it easy to digest. So we're creating some resources there, but I think Cointelegraph, Coindesk are going to be my my go-to's. And what about starter guides? Because we've been doing a li- we've been teasing out a little bit of our own starter guides, but we and we looked around and there's just there's a so many of them, and it's so hard. Like it, when you talk Web three, it's hard to even start. Like, what's the first thing you say? 
<laughs> are there any guides you recommend for people who are maybe listening to this episode? They're thinking, man, this is an interesting space. I want to enter. I have no idea where to begin. Yeah, great question. So also something we're coming up with is a how to get a job in the Web3 space guide um, so that way people can start from square one and really follow our process. Um, there aren't any other guides that are coming to mind. I guess just the advice I would give would be to start by networking, right? Um, actually, I'm lying. Start with your profile. Make sure your profile is up to speed, right? It's got all the, the keywords, but not too many because you don't want to be a buzzword, you know, fanatic because that's a red flag for people. But make sure that your profile reflects your interest, your passion, your experience in Web3, right? So even if you don't have the crypto experience, you can put up there Web3 fanatic, right? People are going to be more likely to connect with you. So I think growing your network is a great place to start. You can just ask people questions. People love to talk about themselves, right? So if you ask someone questions about themselves, they're more likely to get back to you, right? Um, and then flattery will get you everywhere. So if you're not giving a response, make sure to send a detailed note about their background. Hey, I really liked this about your background. I saw that you had experience in this. And I just had a couple of questions. Was wondering if I could ping you real quick. Um, so I think networking, you know, your network is your net worth. I'm a big believer on that. Yeah, Emily, uh, it, it, it's it, I completely agree with you. Um, if you're in this space, you turn into like a, a blabbermouth, right? Yeah. Um, I, I've had, you know, students that were graduating from college and they're like, hey, Rich, you don't really know me, but can I grab 10 minutes of your time and just pick your brain about, you know, blockchain or technology or design or something like that? And it's like, sure. I, I usually never say no to, to students because I want them to kind of, go on the right track. And as 10 minutes turns into an hour and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what are you sorry about? This is enjoyable. So people are out there to your point, they're out there and they love it and just dig in and just start tapping into them. And they're trying, right? They're, they're trying. You see someone that's reaching out to you, that's asking questions. They're trying to get into web three, just like you were. Send the olive branch push along, pass it along, right? So do entertain those conversations. Now, be selective, right? If it's someone that, you know, is is spamming you or someone that, you know, obviously doesn't show that they have a passion in the space, well, maybe not worth the 10 minutes, but if it's someone that's eager, I think it's always worth a conversation because you never know. It's Crypto is such a small world. You never know when you're going to meet them again. You're never, you never know when you're going to need them. Um, and it's also great just to have those resources. So when it comes to the candidate side, networking means you're putting your name in front of people and you're putting your skills in front of people. So that way, when they have an opening, they're going to say, oh, yeah, let me call Rich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where are you seeing, and I may have asked you this already, and if I do, I apologize. Uh, where are we seeing most of the hiring taking place? What sectors? There's, there's obviously coders, there's writers, there's developers. I mean, I, my inbox is constantly having people like this spammy messages. Hey, come write for us and this and this and that. Yeah. Where are we seeing the, uh, the acceleration of jobs right now? Yeah, so um, technology is going to be the biggest one, right? Developers, CTOs. We've, we have several CTO openings on our plate right now. After that is going to be marketing and product. Um, and then we're also, you know, data is becoming a big thing. Cool. Mm. So like when you say data, like data, coders, analytics, yeah. data analytics, data engineers, data cloud engineers, just anything to do with analytics, people are really starting to dig in. I guess, yeah, I guess that's the, the spot where the development is taking place. And then 
I guess switching gears a little bit, I think, Rich, this is kind of the part that we're curious about. Uh, for people hiring crypto talent, what should they be looking for? Obviously, you're doing you're doing both sides. You're connecting people. So when you when you talk to a company that's saying, hey, we're thinking of dipping into Web3, we're thinking of blockchain, um, what should they be keeping in mind? What should they be looking for? In a candidate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So they should really be looking for transferable skills. What has this person done at their previous companies that can relate into Web3? So you brought up earlier, you know, Web1, Web2 developers having a hard time getting into Web3. There are companies out there that are willing to coach because at the end of the day, a strong developer that has learned a ton of different languages is very uh, capable of learning Solidity, right, of learning new languages, right? But they have to be a strong developer. So those are transferable skills. Um, So I think they should really focus on that. And they should also look at certification. So crypto certifications are all out there. There's the certified Bitcoin professional, the certified Ethereum professional. I mean, they're certified metaverse professional, you name them, they're out there. Do these certifications hold a lot of weight? No, but they show a company that you want the extra mile to get the certification, to prove that you have the knowledge and to be able to take that knowledge with you in your next position. So again, this just shows your motivation this shows your passion. This shows that you're willing to go the extra step. Um, so I think they should look at certifications and they should also look at a timeline, right? I'm a big believer in in, um, in hiring candidates that have, I mean, let me rephrase this. There's a lot of really great candidates out there that have moved from job to job because they've accomplished what they want to accomplish at one position and now they're moving for growth, right? Those are some right. great candidates. But a lot of companies really should be looking for people that are going to be there for the long haul, right? Not only are they going to develop the product, but they're going to see the entire life cycle through, right? Because if you're having a change in, in, in command midway through the product, you know, there's issues that can happen. So I think looking for people that are going to be long-term fits, as well as paying attention to the little things, right? Their communication style, um, paying attention to their written communication style, because everybody's working globally. We're all talking in different languages. Written communication and grammar is very important when we're talking to people all around the world. Um, So definitely paying attention to typos that may be on a resume, because that's going to translate into their work, right? Um, What else should they be looking for? You know, it gets back to that passion, right? And that's something you can really outline in your summary. Companies want to hire people that want to work for those companies. Blockchain companies want people that want to be in blockchain. So really outlining your own story, your own interest, and why you're in this, I think mm. is going to be very important. Yep. You cannot teach passion, right? Mm-mm. You cannot light someone else's fire. They have to come with that. How open-minded should uh, hiring managers be uh, when it comes to unconventional resumes in this space? You know, certain fields, you kind of have a certain checklist. I think crypto seems a little bit less conventional. Are you ever selling a candidate and saying, look, they may be on paper, don't look right, but I just, I know they are the right candidate. Absolutely. All the time, Mm. all the time. And that gets back to the rapport that I have with the company, right? Do they trust me with their workforce to help them with their strategy and growing their team? Um, That goes back to transferable skills as well, right? So I can definitely make a case with a client saying, hey, you're looking for this. He's done this just in Web2, right? So I definitely think that hiring managers need to be more open to candidates that are not currently in crypto or Web3 for two reasons. One, they deserve a chance. Two, we're running out of crypto talent. Everybody that's in crypto has made a move. 
right? They're not ready to make another move. We're getting to the point where everyone in crypto is already going to be taken up and they're not going to be entertaining new opportunities because they just started something new. Um, so letting people grow within the role is going to be your next best step. Um, but it's also going to create additional loyalty, right? Because this is the company that gave you the opportunity to jumpstart your career in blockchain. There's just, there's a certain loyalty that comes with that. Mm. I, I really love the idea of growing your own team. Uh, it's, it's dreamy on paper and, you know, it, it, it sounds great. Um, obviously you need, you know, specific talent, uh, seasoned or seasoned, uh, senior talent, um, to kind of lead the way, but. But you're right. It is like if you kind of grow your own, there's loyalty there, and there really there there is a in, true investment there, um, which is lacking. Um, and and frankly, you're right. There, there is going to be a glut. There, there already is, right? So there's a little bit of a drought going on uh, with talent um, from product to to development. And I don't. I think companies really have to adopt the philosophy of you have to kind of start to teach internally and grow internally. Um, look at Jeff Bezos. We were talking about this before, Matt. Um, he, uh, of, I, I think about a year or two ago, he put out a, a press release saying, hey, look, if you're into learning machine, machine learning, there is going to be a real problem in the future in the United States. And he's willing to pay for people's education. Obviously, you would have to give back to uh, the Amazon family there somehow with your services. But he's going as far as to say, I'm going to educate top engineers, top uh, strategists in design thinking or um, machine learning, I should say. Uh, so I think companies have to kind of, they're going to have to pivot at some point to that. I agree. I completely agree. I think focusing on those transferable skills, letting people grow within the role, I mean, it's going to, it's the way to go, right? Not, there was a day when no one had blockchain experience, right? Anybody that has crypto experience right now, there was a day where you didn't have that. And someone gave you a foot in the door and it's time to repay that favor. Mm. Yep. You think um, this is a, you have such a unique vantage point as a recruiter. Do you see more companies that are not what we might consider a blockchain web three company hiring and expanding in the space? Or do you see more of the hiring taking place from companies that we would just define as crypto companies, so to speak? So more companies are definitely already in the space, but it's really interesting the companies that are entering. Um, so we have expanded our company to not only be the crypto recruiters, but also the fintech, the metaverse, the DeFi recruiters, oh, nice. the yeah. recruiters, et cetera, et cetera. So when we're talking to these fintech clients, and I can't name any, but they're entering the space heavy and fast. Yeah. Um, so it's crazy that these, you know, there's a, I can't say anything about that. There's just a really big company <laughs> yeah. that has nothing to do with blockchain that wants to get into blockchain. And we're one of the first people to know about it. So, so that's just awesome. So we are seeing, you know, let's call them regular companies. Right. Getting into blockchain, which is, which is awesome. It feels like the light bulb is yeah. going off for people now. Like this is really that accelerating moment. Like we'll remember 2022 is sort of the defining year. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I do. I think that's pretty <laughs> fair. I think that more companies have entered the space this year than any other company. And just if, even if not entering it, acknowledging it, they're acknowledging right. blockchain. 
they're acknowledging that it's here. It's going to stay, right? So, um, yeah, 2022, what a year. What a year. If you look at 2022, yeah, if you look at 22, it it, it was a year of market collapse, literally. Mm -hmm. You had protocols that completely flatlined um, and bankrupted a lot of people, yet the momentum and excitement and to your point, the, the people are trying to get on board with it is actually exponentially growing. Yeah. It's fascinating. Imagine it, when the markets are up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're all waiting I for mean, that moment. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> it has been, even with the markets down, the increase in candidates and the increase in interest just keeps going up and up and up every month, even in the bear market. Mm. Um, so it's it's been wild. I mean, we probably get, I mean, just me alone, I'm getting up to 50 LinkedIn messages a day, right, of people that just want to enter the space. That doesn't take into consideration all the messages that I'm wow. already having with everybody else that I'm already connected with. Um, so it's it's become very intense, very intense. Mm. Is that a global kind? Like, are your, your, your people are all over the place right now? Like, you must be, do you sleep? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> nope, I don't. It's actually, uh, if you were to talk to anybody in my team a couple months ago, it was like two all-nighters a week. Just because we do work globally and I've got to cater to people that are in, um, you know, that are in Europe, right? So, uh, but but that's just crypto and blockchain in general. Does anybody really sleep or are we all just like, you know, living off coffee? I literally had to move my kettle, my tea kettle into my office because I'm refilling my tea so often. <laughs> So I don't have to go downstairs. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I don't sleep. That's when you know you have a problem, when the coffee maker or the tea maker is sitting right next to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I love it. I love it. I love the intensity. I love meeting the people. I mean, listen, I've been in recruiting for six years. I've never met more fascinating people. Sometimes coming to work previously was like, <sighs> but now it's like, I get to learn about these projects. I get to learn about things that are confidential. I mean, it's just, it's all very exciting. Yeah. If you're, if you're someone who is autodidactic and, and really enjoys the idea of learning and just learning every day, it's perfect for you because it's evolving and you're helping to actually paint that picture uh, along the way, but you're learning as you go. It's, it's an interesting dynamic and, and it's fascinating. I love that. I was yeah. curious uh, also, um, what do you think the future of jobs looks? Are there any new types of jobs being created that aren't even that don't even fit the conventional buckets at this point? Yeah, so I think community managers are probably the newest job that that was created within the crypto space. Um, and what's very interesting is uh, some great community managers are heavy introverts, right? So I love the fact that there's new jobs that are also catering to different personalities within crypto and blockchain. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's one of the new roles. When I see new opportunities in the space, where I see this going is I definitely see this being remote and I definitely see people continuing to wear multiple hats. Um, I think that, you know, even leaders are doing day-to-day -day work, um, which I think is important. And it also sets expectations for the team. I like that leaders are working next to, next to their employees. Um, I do think jobs are going to continue to be very broad, um, but I think that teams are going to be further built out. So we're going to have a lot of specialists in little plays, but right now we just have a lot of generalists. Mm. How do you see that split? That's an interesting point you just brought up in terms of remote 
versus in-person. Do you think in this space uh, we're seeing more hybrid? Are we seeing remote first just because it is so global by nature? Or are you seeing people back at the office? What's, what's that look like? Yeah, so we're seeing a mostly remote. I would say about 90% of our jobs are, 95% of our jobs are remote. Um, and then there's a couple that are, you know, they're going back to an office. They want someone in an office full time. And, and that makes life uh, really hard for us because crypto is decentralized. You don't need to be in an office. Um, so most people don't want to go into an office. There's some select that are open to hybrid work, but, you know, a search that would normally take two weeks takes six weeks because it's in person and people are really wanting to be remote. Mm. Interesting. Where are the where are the big hubs now it, for when it is in person? Would it be like New York and Silicon Valley, the conventional players, or are there <laughs> unusual like Dallas? Are there new spots popping up? Um, they're usually conventional, and actually, we do get um, our clients come to us and they're asking for remote workers that live in New York, that live in Miami, so they're close to the tech hubs. Um, so I think that there's a big emphasis on hiring people that are able to network with other people and be close to the close to the noise. Um, but but yeah, we haven't seen any really weird hiring trends in odd locations, um, you know, mainly in hubs and big cities where they know these people will be. But that doesn't stop us from hiring someone out of you know central Ohio that's really into blockchain. And I don't think that person should be excluded from an opportunity just because they're not New York. Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> know a couple of that is so true. We know a couple of developers working out of Mexico City right now. <laughs> They're all over the place. It's all you're 100% right. It there is you you have to expect um that your workforce is going to come from four corners of the earth. Um but I th I think that the one thing Emily that you brought up was interesting finding remote workers close to the hubs that's very interesting because my mind as a hiring manager uh, and staffing is it goes immediately there. Okay, you're in New York. Are you close? How many miles away? I mean, it becomes like, well, why? Who cares, right? Well, I do because I think you hit it spot on. You're 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 close to the action or the noise, right? And you could actually make it into the office um, for an all hands meeting. We can actually socialize. We can kind of build a little bit more community through maybe we don't work in the office. Maybe we meet at a park yeah. and we we have lunch together. Or in the and, metaverse, flying you know, in the clouds. Or, or in the metaverse, <laughs> yes. Th that could be all solved with the metaverse, right, yes. Matt? <laughs> yes. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No physical contact ever again. Um, yeah, that's a whole other well, that gets back to building culture, right? So fully decentralized teams that are global often have a hard time defining their company culture because you know everybody's working across multiple time zones. There's not a whole lot of overlap. So I think that's one of the challenges that companies are facing. How do we create a culture out of non-in-person meetings, right? There's tone is misunderstood via text message. You know, there's going to be language barriers. So I often have companies that are, you know, they come to me and they say, Emily, we don't have a culture. And that's mm. where we come in. And I like to call us culture creators, because not only do we help staff out like one or two positions, but we've built out entire teams, mm. um, like 50 people at a time. So I think something that's important is when leaders are considering really building out their team, kind of coming up with their values. 
what are they looking for in their team? What do they want to come to work to in the morning, right? So some people are looking for a hardworking, I'm sorry, hiring managers could be um, endorsing a hardworking company where everybody, culture, where everybody's head is just kind of, you know, in their computer and they're typing away, right? But that's a special person that it takes to work there. And some companies want to do, you know, Slack coffees every morning or, you know, a pizza happy hour, right? So it all goes down to like defining what you're looking for out of your culture because that's going to make those long-term fits. You want to grow with the right people and you want to grow with the right people in your envisioned culture. So, Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we're trying a few things here and there to kind of – and to me, culture is understanding outside of work, understanding your coworkers, like kind of outside of work. What does it for you, you know? Um, you know, for Matt, it might be like writing comedy or even comedy skits or producing short stuff. films yeah. or whatever. <laughs> you know, people are, uh, yeah, you know, people love music and all this stuff. And we had one, uh, and I thought it was kind of eye opening, Matt. You know, uh, uh, on Discord, we were all on Discord, but we were on all, all hands team meeting and it, we were playing. Uh, all of us kind of independently had been playing with some of the AI art generating tools. Um, you know, uh, mid journey and a few others were doing Dali too and all that other stuff. Uh, and we just started sharing and sharing and we were just laughing and going, Oh my gosh, that looks like, you know, that artist or that artist, or that really looks good. You should like make an NFT out of it. We just had a blast and you got to look for those little moments yeah. of sharing. It's all about sharing, right? If you can pull it off. We happened to be on a video call, but we were all on Discord, and it, literally, it was like going from a video call straight into vid into Discord, and just people commenting, liking, and sharing, and it, it became a moment. You know, those are the moments you kind of have to identify and kind of unearth or bubble up. Completely agree. Have you played with Mid Journey at all, Amy? This, have you tried these AI art things at all? I personally haven't. No, you got to get been, on it. Uh, it's so weird. You got to get on it. <laughs> I'd love scary to. Actor. I'd love to when I can find some free time. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you just you just type in the scary, keywords basically, but... and it paints anything that you want it to say. So you just say a dog wearing a top hat, holding a crypto coin, and then it generates that image. It's absolutely surreal. Or it'll it'll actually you could take an image and then expand the canvas so that there's white space behind it and you can tell the application to fill in the blanks that to me is mind-blowing like wow. wow i got this really interesting little snippet of this architecture it'll actually finish it for you it's very creepy uh fascinating though interesting interesting i wonder if they're hiring <laughs> <laughs> that's i guess I they would check great. That out. That's, you're on it that's good it's the first place to go uh i love what you said hey. about yeah. i love what you said about building company culture uh, how do you help a company when they, when they say that in, in terms of, you know, we don't have a culture because that is a, that's a big problem for, you know, let's say they're a web three company or they're not a web three company. How do you help them understand their culture or even there's understand their values? Cause sometimes people haven't really thought these things through at all. Yeah, no, I think it just gets down to leadership and their vision and, and really relying on that, right? Because they're running the show. Um, you know, understanding if they're looking for something a little bit more collaborative or they're looking for something a little bit more siloed, you know, what is their true vision? Um, and where do they feel their employees will be happy? So I think that's something that a lot of leaders should take in place is like, what are your people saying? 
what are they missing? Getting feedback from them, I think, is critical. Um, so that's really where we start. We start with leadership. We go back to the rest of the team. We come up with some, like, um, what's the word? Um, just, just ideas, right? Hey, what do you think about this event? Is this something you'd be interested in doing, right? To kind of gauge, like, how interactive are they looking to be? Right. And then we'll throw in some things, you know, some options that we do at our own company. For example, we start every day um, with something that we're grateful for. We have a morning meeting and we just say round table. What are we grateful for this morning? Right. And I believe that starts your day off on a really positive note. Um, some of the other things that we do are happy hours. We also do random check ins where we'll match people up with someone else on the team and just let them chat for 30 minutes. Um, so, but we're looking for a really collaborative culture and we're looking for a culture of trust and a, and a culture of, for lack of a better word, just happiness. And I think that comes from taking care of your people. No, I was just, I was just saying, thinking, um, as you were talking, Emily, the, it, it sometimes it's, you know, you're taking someone from, a, you maybe they're a designer or a writer and you're taking that person from, you know, normal 2.0 world and kind of migrating him into another world, it is sometimes a, a, a challenging fit, um, even though this person has amazing years of amazing skills in their in, in many tools in their tool belt. It's hard for them to kind of understand, like, we're not meeting in person, but we have to, you know, we're talking this way, we're meeting this way. There's a, the cadence has shifted. We no longer waterfall. We are collaborative to begin with. We spider off, then come back. You know, new work dynamics, I think, are going to be challenging for a lot of people. Um, you know, if you're, if you're younger and you're kind of born in the Web3 space, it's going to be second nature for you in, yeah. in a few years. Um, but there's a whole several generations that still need to kind of adopt this, you know, uh, methodology or, or uh, understanding that it's a different it's a different ballgame. Completely agree. And I think, you know, COVID really forced us into that. Right. Yeah. And, and that goes back. There's a lot of people that realized, I mean, not in crypto, but there's a lot of people that realize that they don't want to work at home. Right. They're rejuvenated by the office experience. And I think there's a lot of people that realize, like myself, I've been remote for six years, um, that this is what works for us. Right. So in downtown Chicago, it takes me an hour and 20 minutes to get down to downtown. Um, and that's two hours and 40 minutes saved on my part, two hours and 40 minutes that I can put into my work. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a huge shift. It's definitely something that people have to get comfortable with, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Mm. Absolutely. What yeah. What happens with, this is so interesting to me, the concept of candidates who are the wrong fit for a particular role, but they're the right fit for the culture. How often do you try to work with companies or how often are companies willing to say, okay, look, we love you. You're in the wrong role. We'll give you another role. Often, often. Really? If people, oh, absolutely. You find the right person, you make a role for them before they go to your competitors. You know what I mean? Like you're, you've got an inkling like, oh, we might need this. Hey, let's, let's scoop them up, put them in this role, let them succeed. Um, so yeah, we are seeing opportunities that companies are creating roles for our candidates. Um, we even have, we had a community lead open up. We sent someone in that was a little bit more junior 
they decided to hire another one of our community leads and also hired that more junior candidate, right? So for the community lead to manage. Um, so I think companies are very open-minded right now. Um, and definitely, you know, culture fits the biggest reason for turnover. I know I said it earlier, but it truly is. So if you find someone that's a fit within the culture, they're completely bought in, they're ready to rock and roll. If you can create a role for them, grab them before they go to your competition because they definitely mm. will. Yeah. Rich, I feel like we have that at ARC for sure. Like the roles are so nebulous. <laughs> no one knows exactly. Like we technically have roles, but we kind of, it's wearing many hats, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, Emily, you know, you hit it right on the head there. Um, you know, I've met people that have wanted to join, but maybe they didn't have the right energy for it. And then others that were like, look, um, I'm a complete noob, but I'm actually actually active on Discord. I'm involved in NFTs, minting all this stuff, maybe a little mining here and there, but they're not a pro at anything. And they're just getting started, and and they're they're wonderful. It's fantastic, and they're you know people like that help to build their own roles. But it's an also important as a manager um, to kind of check in and say, "Hey, you've been doing a great job here. We can go here. Where do you want to go next?" Right? And you see where the industry's going. And to your point, don't let them go because they're going to go to the, a competitor and start doing something else but help them figure out their own runway, you know, um, for the next year or six months or six weeks, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's really important. And, and, and Matt, you're totally right. Arc is a little bit more nebulous where we all, cause we're a smaller company, but we do wear a lot of hats. That means we know more about what we're doing for our clients, uh, in a, in a more robust way. Um, but it also, it puts a little bit of more ownership on the employee to say, Hey, uh, I want to communicate back to rich and tell him I really want to push in this direction, or maybe, you know, I want to go this way, not that way. So it works both ways for sure. Yeah. I think it's a transformational thing that we're seeing in, in jobs in terms of the conventions of, of someone being isolated in a role versus what you're talking yeah. about, Emily, which is a company really thinking less about, I'm going to fill this role. I'm going to find this person. And then once I have this person, we'll figure out where they fit into the company. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but it definitely happens. It definitely happens. And that just goes back to networking, right? Meeting all the people that you can't meet as many people as you can, as many people as you can. That's my biggest motto. And I think that's the reason that we've been so successful is we just talk to as many people as we possibly can. We're getting this industry knowledge. Um, we're understanding different personalities, how they're going to fit within companies. So, yeah. What do you think of, and I think it's one of the most interesting things in the, in the job market, not just in tech, but particularly, how does age factor in? I know this is thought of as a notoriously young market, but I, I don't know. Crypto kind of defies a lot of logic. Yeah, this is a touchy one to, to talk about. So, um, I do think ageism is alive and well in crypto. Um, I think a lot of people are skewing incorrectly that someone has to be less tenured um, to be successful in this role because they're going to be more passionate. They're going to be more knowledgeable. You know, it's this generation. Blockchain is, belongs to this generation when, when that's completely incorrect. I mean, there's some incredibly tenured candidates that have a great hold on blockchain that have, 
you know, superior skills that they're going to bring to the table, right? So as a tenured candidate, not only have you worked at, you know, X, Y, and Z for X amount of years, but you've done this position, you've done this position, you've done this position, and, and that's what crypto is looking for, right? They're looking for people that can wear a lot of hats. Um, so I do think tenured talent is skipped over in in some positions, um, and they're more favoring less tenured talent, uh, which I think is a mistake. I do like that they're giving people opportunities, but I don't think the younger, the less tenured generation is the only generation that can do this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, Emily. You, you, we have uh, a few clients that have echoed this, and they've they've structured their company so that there's perception, you know, for investors and people wanting to join the product uh, projects uh, and whatnot. But um, they've positioned themselves at a senior level with someone se seasoned from finance, someone seasoned uh, from operations uh, who has done this either in or outside of um, the NFT slash blockchain world. Um, and even surprisingly, you know, folks with military backgrounds because they understand how to operate to run swift operations. They understand how to, you know, go into a country and set up communications. There's a certain tactical um, element to that. And it, it, you're starting to see some of the more interesting protocols and companies structure their companies in, in different different ways that are more unique. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, it looks, lo looks a little better on paper, but it also, from an operation standpoint, is highly effective. Would you say the best workforce in in most cases, Emily, is is kind of a hybrid? Like you want to have the wisdom of people who've seen Web two, Web one, and then you want to have that young talent in there as well. That maybe this is their first job; they're just entering crypto. Is it is that culmination that gets you the best results? I think it. There's not a one size fits all, mm. right? I've seen some extremely successful companies started by eighteen year olds. And then they grew out the business with peers. And then finally, when they got to the stage where, let's say, they're going through a raise, then they're bringing in the more tenured leadership. Right. I've seen extremely tenured people starting their own projects and they're just hiring, you know, young whippersnappers. Right. So um, so I don't think there's a, a, a you know, one size fits all in, in this category. Um, I think it just gets down to the person, their drive, and their mindset. Um yeah, so I think there's people that are very open-minded, and I think there's some people that are a little bit more closed off and really believe that they know what they need. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Very important point there. The term whippersnappers is not used <laughs> nearly enough. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> you still use whippersnapper? I love that one. I love yeah. that one, too. I love, I love whippersnapper. I think as we as we sort of wrap up, and, and thank you so much for your time, uh, Emily. What we always do is kind of at the end of the podcast. What would you say are some of the key takeaways? And I think this is a unique episode because I think I'd say, what would you say are the key takeaways for people looking for work, and what are the key takeaways for people looking to hire? If you were yeah. just to say, like, these are the big points. Key takeaway: If you're looking for work, is your resume does not will not tell your story. It is just a piece of paper and people are making their own assumptions based off that piece of paper. So you really need your resume to tell your story if you're looking for a job. 
You also need to be networking. I, I cannot say how important networking is, but this is going to get your foot in the door in a couple different places, right, for recommendations or just to be thought of again for future opportunities. Um, when it comes to hiring, there are a lot of benefits when it comes to transferable skills. There's a lot of benefits and a lot of loyalty that's created by hiring someone that has transferable skills. Um, I think you should be looking for the right person and help them grow their skills. Because if you find the right people, they're going to help, you know, take your, your company to the next step. But you just have to, to provide them with the tools, just like any great business, right? So the tools in this uh, in this case that you're offering is, is knowledge, is training. Um, but I do understand on the flip side, you know, these companies are moving so quickly, they don't necessarily have time to ramp people up. So if you are in that situation where you need someone that's an expert now, that's fine. Let's hire you that expert, but let's let the expert coach the, the noobs, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. I like the I like the range, by the way, too. Noobs and whippersnappers. <laughs> we're getting the whole range. Of, <laughs> we're using the young language and the ultimate old. Um, and normies, of course. And normies, yeah, we got to throw normies in there too. Uh, Emily, you, I don't know if anyone is better positioned right now in in crypto recruiting than you and your team. Uh, how can people find you? Absolutely. So LinkedIn's the best way to get a hold of me. If you just search the crypto recruiter, I will pop right up. SEO is everything. Um, you can find my personal cell on my on my LinkedIn profile, my Instagram, my Twitter, all of my socials. Feel free to follow me. But at the end of the day, Emily at landontop.io is my email. Feel free to shoot me one of those too. I will be sure to include those links, of course. Uh, Rich, any 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 final thoughts? I I would just say thank you so much for sharing your insights and your business and, and what you're doing, what you're trying to build. Uh, with us and, and, and the rest of our community. Um, I think the topics we hit on are amazing. Uh, I think you're, you're, you guys are just poised to kind of kind of rock it, I think. You know, um, I, I don't think, I know. Um, it's very much needed, and you're, you've positioned yourself really well. And I think this is probably the first of, of many conversations that we're going to have uh, with Matt and I. So uh, I really we look forward to it. Thank you, and thank you for the thoughtful questions. I think they were great for the community. You guys need me, you know where to find me, but thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. so much. And for thank everybody you. listening, uh, you can always, our conversation continues on Discord, and you can learn more about us at arctai.com. And of course, we'll include links so you can learn more about Emily, and that's at thecryptorecruiters.io and on LinkedIn. Thanks so much. Thank you.